Hi, this is Eric Castro, and I'm a sports scout who has made it his mission in life to get high school athletes with scholarships to U.S. colleges. I wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you for listening to Pep Talk, the show designed to inform you on all things recruiting and beyond. Today, we got special guest Sean McCarroll. He's a former Biola University baseball player and close personal friend, and has taken some time out of his very busy schedule to shed some light on recruiting and what's it like to be a college athlete. And so, first question I want to ask you, when did you realize colleges were interested in recruiting you? Um, for me, so let's see. So first year in high school, I uh, played on the freshman team. Um, and so nothing really happened there, you know, just having a good time. Um, but then I got brought up to the varsity team as a sophomore, um, which isn't like, doesn't happen all the time, especially in Orange County um, for baseball. So that was kind of a teller. And then from there, we had a really good season. We had a few games um, on Cox Communications TV that were broadcasted. Um, and at one point in my sophomore year, they did like a small little interview thing, like before the, the game was showed, like, hey, this, this guy's young. He's good at defense. He's heating up. Like, let's talk to him real quick. Um, and so I got a lot of exposure my sophomore year and after talking to my coaches and stuff, they're like, oh yeah, like you should start going to baseball showcases and, um, start reaching out to colleges and just start like, and then they said they would help out as well. But, um, so yeah, I would say my sophomore year of high school would be where it all started. Gotcha. So it seems like you started realizing that pretty young compared to most of the high school athletes out there. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, gotcha. So that was kind of just where it started, but all the hard work kind of came in like after my sophomore year. And then I think most people, like if you're doing pretty well, you can start that your junior year and then even senior year is not too late because people are always looking for new talent. Gotcha. So let's talk about that hard work here. So you mentioned before that you started going to like some camps and stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the next questions I was going to ask you is what prep did you exactly do to essentially raise your uh, – what you did to raise the awareness of you as a player for these college coaches. So would you say that was very beneficial? Uh, yeah, for sure. So some of the prep that I did there, um, I worked really closely with my dad on that. He, he helped me a ton with like the, my online presence. He, I'm sure it's still on YouTube somewhere, but he helped me put together like a, a recruiting video, which would um, basically just showcase my swing and how I was fielding. Um, so it sounds like a five minute video, give or take. And then we could send that out to the colleges. And then if colleges wanted it, we'd be ready. Um, so that was part of the preparation. A lot of it too was trying to, um, I guess, tailor make, tailor make like my swing. And um, let's see. Yeah, mainly it was, so for, for baseball, the most important thing is as a fielder is hitting. Like it's cool if you're good at defense and things like that, but colleges really look for hitting. Um, so we were, we spent a lot of time like working on that. I would go to lessons once a week. Um, and, um, yeah, from there I would just attend showcases that I think, um, would have the colleges that I would want there. Um, I wasn't going to like big D one things or anything like that because I knew I probably wasn't a D one player, maybe D two or NAI ended up being NAI. Um, so a lot of the work came in from there and then, uh, the, I would say a lot of the exposure just comes from being in Orange County though, and just being able to play in such a competitive environment. Gotcha. So a couple things I want to touch on there. First and foremost, you mentioned some pretty mechanical aspects of the game that you were trying to highlight in the film, uh, specifically the batting aspect mm-hmm. of it. So right now 
high school athletes are faced with an unprecedented situation with coronavirus uh, being at large, which has pretty much ended all high school sports for the most part, especially here in the United States. Uh, so a lot of people aren't able to get game film. What would be your recommendation on essentially practice film going out there and putting out as much as you possibly can of that, essentially just showing off what you're capable of? How would you say like that would be received by college coaches? Yeah. I mean, having some film is better than no film at all. So even if you're not in season or you're not playing games, you should still definitely get some film in there. Um, what I did was I would go to a batting cage or, um, I would either use one in San Juan Capistrano that was relatively cheap um, and have my dad record. Um, the main thing from a baseball perspective is you want to get it from two different angles. You want to get it from uh, behind the plate. So like the catcher's or umpire's point of view, and then also on the side. Um, so if I was a, so I'm a right-handed hitter. So you would want the, um, the video to be from the left-handed batter's box, give or take, um, because that way coaches can see, coaches and um, scouts can see like your fundamentals. They can see where your body's moving. Um, and so I would say, yeah, that would be a good idea for at least getting a video together and getting that ready. Um, and then I have seen recently though, especially on Twitter, like even some people who like my brother's friends, I have a younger brother. He, uh, he plays at La Sierra. He's either a junior or a senior. I'm trying to remember based on COVID years and his red shirt. Um, but he's got a buddy who's at a Juco right now. And I actually saw him put up a video, I think it was yesterday, maybe day before. Um, and he had a really good like video kind of, of a bunch of different swings from him that were live in game. So it's cool to see that some guys are getting back to doing that. But even if you're not doing that, any type of uh, video with multiple views from a uh, batting gauge, I think would be a really good idea. That's great advice for all the uh, athletes out there right now. So mm -hmm. one other aspect you talked about was the hard work that laid before you. What exactly did you focus on your game, whether it was through training camps or whether you were told to do so? How did you attack your weaknesses overall um, to raise yourself as an athlete? Yeah, for sure. Um, so the most important thing for me was uh, when I was in high school, even I was even being told like, so when I was a sophomore, I was very small. I was athletic. I was good, but I was very small. I was probably like five foot eight. And I can't imagine myself weighing more than 140, 150 pounds. So the biggest thing that my coaches were telling me was, Hey, you got to hit the weight room. You got to start eating more. You got to like, basically like improve my game to where I hit with more power. Um, and so I did a lot of that. So like my sophomore year, for example, like I played the whole season I was in the starting lineup. I only had one extra base hit, meaning like all my hits were singles except for one. Um, so something I needed to definitely attack would be the um, weight gaining and strengthening aspect of like hitting. Um, and then, because as you get stronger too, like you become a person who hits the ball a lot harder, you can hit a lot farther, your arm strength improves. So you're not like limited to just a few positions. Um, so I definitely attacked that a little bit more. I didn't really see those results though until um, college. So I wish I would have, maybe taking that a little more, more seriously or got on a better like weight training or eating program um, or like nutrition and stuff like that. But that was what I attacked the most. Um, yeah. I would say that would be the focus of what I was looking at as far as attacking my weaknesses. Well, that's great. That's great all around. So one of the other things I want to talk to you about was day in the life of an athlete. So you ended up going to Biola university, correct? Yes. Okay. And uh, kind of just getting a gist here of your playing group. Uh, what position did you play in high school? 
So in high school, I exclusively played shortstop. Gotcha. And then when it came to college ball, what exactly, what position did you play for them? Were you recruited as a shortstop for Biola? I, yeah, I was recruited as a middle infielder, meaning shortstop and second base. Um, but, you know, coming in as a scrawny freshman, um, I was mainly playing second base until I would either get stronger or um, develop more arm strength. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you're definitely open to like being coachable and all those good things that coaches always mention and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so let's talk about day in life of an athlete, you know. Um, why don't you go ahead and for all the listeners out there, walk us through for you, what was the day in life of, uh, you know, let's take a, a during season day versus an off season day. Yeah, for sure. Um, so baseball is in the spring, meaning it starts second semester, um, typically um, like January or February. So in the fall, that's kind of like our off season. Um, and in the NAI, which Biola used to be an NAI school, now they're D2, but there were some rules where you can only practice so many weeks in the first semester. Um, so we were very, our school was like pretty strategic with that. I think we would, we would basically play like, Hey, as soon as you get back into school in the fall, you're playing until Halloween, then you have a Halloween game and then you, you rest right up until season. Um, but let's see what we would do. We would do Tuesday, Thursday lifts at five 30 in the morning from like five 30 to seven. Um, on top of that, every day we would have at least a three hour practice, give or take in the afternoon from like one to four, maybe one to five on our other days. Um, and then on the days we didn't practice, we would probably have at least two, maybe three, depending on the week, two or three games or inner squads where we'd either, we'd have a big enough team to where we would play like a game against each other or we'd play against another local team. Um, and so, yeah, so it really depended on the day and the week, but typically I would, we would try to take all of our classes in the morning um, and then get some lunch and then in the afternoon play some baseball, maybe you got a night class one or two times a week. Um, and then you just do homework and start it over the next day. Um, the only off day we had was Sunday. Um, I think mainly cause that was a, I'm not sure if that's a thing done at every school or just ours cause it was a Christian environment. Um, but between like school, between classes, between getting to mandatory, uh, chapels, um, there really wasn't a ton of time, um, in either the fall or the spring, um, to really socialize a ton, but, yeah, it was typically a class in the morning, eat some lunch, go play baseball, homework at night, maybe socialize a little if you can. And then we get a Sunday just to chill. Um, so that would be a day in the life in the fall. In the spring, it would really pick up. Um, we would, so at Biola, we would have a six week interterm in between the two semesters of school. Um, so if you weren't an athlete or you didn't, or if you weren't taking extra classes, you would have six weeks of winter break. Um, as a baseball athlete, we would only, we would take the first two weeks of winter break and then we would come back like first week of January. And then we would just hit the ground running. Um, a lot of the things that we were able to do was um, we would be playing, we would have like two practices a day at the beginning where we'd have a morning practice and afternoon practice until classes started. So for the first like four, three or four weeks. Um, and then from there, it was very similar to the fall when we had that schedule um, where We'd be practicing in the afternoons. We'd have games on Tuesdays. So games take a lot longer. Games would probably be like, if it's a three-hour game, nine innings, you got at least one or two hours to prep. So all in all, it could be, and then some time to like clean up the field. So it could be like a five or six hour ordeal. 
Um, and that would be once a week on Tuesdays. And then we would play three games, um, one game on Friday and then two games on Saturday. Um, and that, those were just the nice weeks when we had home games. If we had to travel, then we'd be leaving Thursday night at times, not getting back till Sunday morning. Um, so a lot of the stuff in the spring is you, you got to be on top of your academic life. You got to be on top of, um, even your baseball and like, and that was just like practices and things like that. The things that are mandatory, you also had to take time to go to the training room, uh, make sure to ice, get in, um, some heating stuff, make sure you're doing the corrective exercises to keep your body in good shape. Um, but yeah, I would say that would summarize what we would do throughout the year. Um, that would be fall and then spring in the summer, you would typically play with a team. Um, some people would travel to like Cape Cod or Alaska or something like that. But, um, if you were serious about it, you would play all summer as well. But I think a good idea at times was to also take breaks in the summer. Um, so our only real break breaks were maybe a few weeks in the summer and then, I think November, December, we would just have light practices or um, not voluntary practices, but we would just like keep in shape on our own. I wish you could see my face right now because I'm astounded at the amount of uh, extra work. <laughs> it sounds like yeah, you had to do uh, all that while managing athletics and a personal life. Uh, how did you stay on top of it all? Um, well, the one thing that is really nice about that now is that I can go back and like, I can even put it like on, my business or business resume or like for my work is like, I learned how to manage my time super well, because if I didn't, I would, my grades could drop and then you wouldn't be able to play. Um, but realistically, um, <laughs> one of the main ways to manage it is um, you just got to get your stuff done. You got to find a good routine. Um, you definitely got to lose sleep. Like you're not getting your full eight hours most of the year, which obviously isn't good, but um, yeah, if you're juggling all that, you, you got to work hard. Um, we would have study halls every once in a while. So just some dedicated time. Um, and I would say academically, you just got to find a place where you're really good at doing work, whether that's the library or you go home or you're at a desk or wherever, you got to find somewhere where you're productive and at least dedicate a few hours a day to just getting caught up on your studies and uh, making sure your academic life's in place. So that way you can play, uh, play baseball during the spring. Understood. So let's talk a little bit more about the academics here. That's a large part of what I focus when talking to potential recruits is emphasizing the importance of getting good grades now as a measurement and a testament to what you can accomplish in the future. How exactly did you stay on top of your grades throughout your college career? Did you go to these studies hours? Did you like, you've obviously given some great advice. How did you implement it and potentially was there a time where you struggled that you'd like to talk about maybe uh and give an example of how you got yourself out of that yeah no that's fair um let's see academics um so i came in on a scholarship which was actually it was far more than my baseball scholarship my academic scholarship from high school kind of got me to um to be able to get into the school where it's kind of affordable um and so with that scholarship, I had to maintain, I think it was a 3-2 GPA, um, which wasn't anything crazy compared to like what I was doing in high school, but obviously there's a lot more factors in college. Um, so I kind of had that as like the, the fire under my butt. It's like, hey, like you got to stay on top of these things. Um, and so I was never anywhere near the 3-2 GPA, which was nice, but there's something also in college that's really important. And that's not necessarily just doing your work and getting your GPA in a good spot, but like in order to do that, you have to have good relations with the professors. Um, like you have to 
be upfront with them. Like, Hey, I'm going to be missing class a lot this semester. Like, but I really care about this and I want to stay on top of my grades. Can you, how can I do this? How can I help? Um, and that part's kind of tough because some professors are naturally a little biased against athletes. Um, and that's, it's nothing like personal or anything They're I think they just don't enjoy the fact that you're missing so much time and they kind of have to let you um, do it based on the school rules and things like that. Um, but I would say one time that I was kind of close to a bad spot, it was my sophomore year and I just wasn't picking up on clues in the classroom. This one professor did not really enjoy um, when people were on their laptops, but I really, it, it was the way I took notes and it was the way I felt comfortable. Um, but he never explicitly said like, hey, don't do this. And so throughout the year, I think I was treated a little uh, not fairly because um, I'm typically getting A's and B's in most of my classes, but this one I was like getting D's and stuff like on my tests. Um, so I had to work really hard with him and with his aide to get my grades back up and kind of just like get to the uh, point of the conversation. Hey, what's going on here? Like, what can I do to help? Um, and so I would say it's really important to just establish a good relationship with your professors. Um, because obviously if you're not telling them you're missing class or you forget to communicate things and then you just expect them to pick up, um, pick up all the slack, it's not going to end well. You might end up getting some D's or F's in classes and then you could either be at the school longer, pay more money, or you would, you can end up dropping your scholarship or dropping your GPA too low. Um, so I would say the most, one of the most important things that you should know going in is you got to be upfront and communicate well with your professors, especially when you're missing classes. Transparency, communication, and humbleness seems to be the core takeaways there. Thank you for sharing that. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right. So one of the last few questions I want to ask you here is uh, what advice would you give these student athletes in deciding if the school is right for them? Earlier, you talked about kind of limiting your scope of projected schools based off of your personal assessment of your skill. Um, how did that essentially help you prioritize schools more? Yeah, um, I would say depending, I would say you've just got to be flexible, like, if you're not a D1 guy, but you really, really want to go D1, think about like why you want to go D1. Do you want to do that so that you can brag to other people or say you went to a good school? Are you trying to get into the D1 because you actually care about the academics of the school and you want to have that on your resume when you leave? Um, but for me, it was easier for me to pick because I had a very narrow scope where there wasn't a ton of schools involved anyway. I knew that I wanted to at least go to some type of Christian school um, where I could study the Bible and do a little bit of that. So that narrowed it down tremendously. Um, and then on top of that, I wanted it to be kind of in like South or Central uh, California. So again, there's not too many schools there. And so once I narrowed down the schools, then I would just talk to them. I would send out an email, be like, hey, like here's my recruitment video or whatever. Like here are my stats from high school. Um, can I come out and like talk or can we come out and hang and can I do a, a tryout or whatever? And between that, I got, I was able to narrow down to three schools for the most part, two of them gave me scholarship. And then I was able to narrow it down to the school that was closer and had better academics. But I would just say that, um, try to narrow down your scope. Um, so if you're not a D1 player, you got to have people in your life room like, Hey, you're probably not a D1 player yet. Maybe you want to go the Juco route, go to a junior college, um, play for a couple of years, then go. Because if you really reach for a school, that's a little bit outside of your, um, athletic ability, then you got to be okay with maybe riding the bench for two or three years first. Um, 
But if your goal is, hey, I want to get better, I want to play like now, then maybe junior college is the right route. Um, but I would say, yeah, just narrow in on a few schools, figure out what your goals are. And then from there, just keep attacking it every day and communicate as best you can and reach out because the worst the college can do is just say no. Well, that's some great advice. Thank you for sharing that with us. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right. So last question here. So what can the incoming class of athletes do from now until when they walk on campus this upcoming August to set themselves up for success? Um, would that be if they were going to college in August or before they go back to high school in August? Uh, for when they're going off to college. So what can like all the athletes that are currently being recruited or have been recruited that are going off to these colleges now in August to set themselves up for success? Yeah, let's see. Got a few months. Um, I would say just maybe think about the last year. Think about where your body's at. Um, it's not necessarily something where you if you're, if you're feeling worn out from whatever sport you are, it's March and you need to rest up before August, then absolutely do it. If you're feeling bad or if you need to, um, you need to assess what's going on, maybe spend more time doing mobility work, stretching, um, getting your body in good shape for August. No need to, um, bench press every day from now until August. If it can mess up your shoulder, you want to be a hundred percent healthy, um, when you walk into college for sure. And then I would say really, um, one of the most important things you got to do first semester, or if it's your first year, is you got to figure out the system, figure out what's going on academically. Again, as I said, talk to your professors early on, figure out what's going on, talk to, maybe reach out to some people who you know are already on the team, like some older guys, be like, hey, what's going on with classes? Like, can I miss class for baseball? Um, should I be doing something this summer? Yeah, I would say just reach out to people and try to figure out, like, um, for people who have already been there, what the best thing to do is in your specific situation. Um, and, yeah, I would say just get your body right and get ready um, from an academic perspective to really push first semester. Because I think, for me, the first semester was my hardest because it's a brand new system. you got to figure out what's okay, what's not okay. Um, and, yeah, because the main goal is you want to be on the field. Um, and one of the big aspects of that is you need to have a good GPA. So I would say, yeah, just prepare those two things and maybe reach out to some people on the team or people who have already um, been at that school or been in that program that you're about to go into. Well, that's some incredible information to take away. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to speak with me today, Sean. Oh yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Thank you once again for listening to Pep Talk. Please like, share, and subscribe if you enjoyed today's interview. Feel free to leave a comment and please reach out to me with any and all of your questions. Have a great day, y'all.